0: The staff where we talk about our point of view and we share the things we're gonna do and we hope you're learning something new cuz
1: the path to mastering theory begins with you Welcome to Notes from the Staff a podcast from the creators of U Theory where we dive into conversations about music theory ear training and music technology with members of the U Theory staff and thought leaders from the world of music education
2: Hi, I'm Greg Risto, founder of U-Theory and associate professor of conducting at the Oberlin Conservatory.
1: Hi, I'm Leah Sheldon, head of teacher engagement for U-Theory.
0: Hi, I'm David Newman. I teach at James Madison University and I write code and create content for U-Theory. A quick thanks to listeners for all your comments and episode suggestions. We love to read them. Send them our way by email at notes at Utheory.com and remember to like us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
2: In our second to last episode for the season, we're turning the tables one more time, and Leah and I will be interviewing our co host, baritone David Newman. Uh, David teaches oral skills, music theory, and voice on the faculty of James Madison University. Uh, He's famous for his teaching songs, which have millions of views on YouTube. He released his music theory songs in a 2019 album, The Well Trained Year. They're widely used by elementary, middle, high school, and college teachers. Previously, David taught at the University of California, Davis, San Jose State University, University of Virginia, and Shenandoah Conservatory. He maintains an active performing career as a classical singer and can be heard on the Phillips, Dorian, Analecta, K617, and Naxos labels. Despite COVID-19 precautions, David continued to make music and inspire others to join in the harmony with his innovative drive-in choir concept profiled in both the LA Times and New York Times. Uh, David, thanks for joining us I'm so glad to be here <laughs> so we we're, we're going to talk about your teaching songs, which are just utterly delightful. I think this is a lovely follow up to our episode a couple of weeks ago with jed Derryberry about about uh the playful classroom. How did you get started writing teaching songs?
0: Oh wow, I mean uh I could go really far back and say that uh you know, I initially went to music school with the thought of that being a backup for my great career as a singer songwriter, but really it started uh, when my daughter was in third grade and she uh, brought me a study packet for science and asked me if I would help her study for a test. And we looked at the, I looked at the packet and it was a lot of stuff to memorize. And I said, you know, we could probably turn some of this into a song. And so I wrote a quick quick little ditty about soil and um, its components and uh, uh, recorded it and I threw it out on YouTube uh, just to share it uh, that night and uh, got such a positive response that I wrote another song the next day and I I wrote four songs in four days and then I completely burnt out. (laughs) But, uh, but then I, I did it again several times. And this was also in the first year that I was teaching oral skills. Uh, and so late, later in that year, I just thought, if I can do this for my third grade daughter, why can't I do this for my oral skills students? And th- then I wrote a few songs for them, and it just kept going from there. What,
2: what's your most popular song is it one of your music theory songs, or is it one of
0: your your songs for other <laughs> <laughs> I youth the advantage of having YouTube statistics, right? So You know, I know, and it's uh I don't know if I should be embarrassed about this or not, but my yeah, my most popular song is me rapping the periodic table of elements. I have over a million views on that song alone. Can we take a listen to that? <laughs> sure. And and there's of course I also wrote that in in one afternoon slash evening, um, and I was finally ready to record the female vocal parts uh, at midnight, which meant that I, I accosted my wife at midnight as she was wanting to go to sleep, and I said, please, I just need you to sing these few things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I, I just think it's funny that my entire career, uh, as I view it, has been as a classical singer singing Bach, but I probably have reached more people uh with my rap stylings. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> These are the elements the periodic
0: table. These
3: are the elements. These are the elements.
0: In order. These
3: are the elements.
0: So we got go. hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium, boron. And oxygen, fluorine. now stop snoring, this isn't boring, and this is stuff you shouldn't be ignoring, neon, Nobody. sodium, magnesium, <laughs> aluminum, silicon, <laughs> phosphorus, sulfur, and chlorine, that's under fluorine, were up
3: to 17, you
0: never had it better for remembering the elements.
3: the elements. These are the elements, these are the elements, these are the elements, these are the elements.
0: So then we got our. Scandium, titanium, vanadium, and chromium, manganese, iron, cobalt, nickel, copper, zinc, gallium, germanium, arsenic, selenium, and bromine. It's under chlorine and fluorine. Just keep storing the odor for your motorboard. Krypton, rubidium, and strontium, yttrium, zirconium, niobium, molybdenum, technetium, Whoa, ruthenium, rhodium, palladium, silver.
3: These are
0: the elements. I, got I love watching your reactions. <laughs> well, that was the yeah. I mean, I don't know. I the and I would feel totally guilty uh, writing a rap, uh, which is not my wheelhouse at all, except that. There are, I know what I like about rap, and i you know i'm I'm frustrated by educational music that doesn't honor the musical side of things um, and so I did try to make it interesting, and I did try to do things like internal rhyme and and um the kind of things that make rap enjoyable for me so And I I, I loved so much, sorry, I loved so much watching uh, your reactions, because I guess you hadn't seen that before. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I mean, I do try to work humor into my songs, and um, I really do love sharing some of them for the first time with people who haven't heard them before, and just seeing them react to things that they get. The, the little inside jokes. I think sometimes the inside jokes are useful for students, t- too, because if they don't get them, then they want to get them. They want to know why everyone else reacted at that moment.
1: Or why the um, noble was so such a moment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which I did after every noble yeah, element. Yeah, that would help me remember the noble elements. Um, <laughs> of course, I wrote this, you know, what, uh, 11 years ago. And uh, twelve years ago, maybe, and um, it uh, now it's incomplete. <laughs> there, have, there have been eight more, no, six more named elements uh, since then. So, one hundred and eighteen completes a row of the table.
2: I'm, I'm sure that that people have made the comparison of this to Tom Lehrer's "Yeah" uh, Elements song. Uh, just made me think of his last verse. because, like, there may
0: be many others. Yes, are the only 11, so his name yeah, has I, come I, to I Harvard. Those, the and verses. there may be many others, but they haven't been discovered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, of course, a Gilbert and Sullivan tune. And yeah, I was aware of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Tom Not Lehrer is, of course, one of my huge influences. Um, but uh, the frustrating thing about Tom Lehrer version of that song is that it's not in order. It's it's not only very incomplete by today's standards, but it's also not in order. So it's more just a witty thing that you can do naming a bunch of elements um, and not particularly useful for learning anything. Uh, Or Now, you could argue that memorizing the table isn't particularly useful for anything either, uh, but, but memorizing in an order is something that Virginia students have to do. Um, and so I was writing it specifically in a re- response to a request from my sister uh, who said, kids need this. And I thought, okay, challenge accepted. I will come up with something.
2: And, you know, you said you you started writing these teaching songs right at the same time as you were starting to teach oral skills. And so I presume that's
0: that's what led to all of your music theory and oral skill songs as well. Yeah. And and I and also, I think there's something, you know, teaching a new course, especially when it's not something that you've spent a long time thinking about how you were going to teach. Uh, my I feel like I grew a, a million brain neurons <laughs> that year. Uh I I think there's something about learning something new, digging deep into something new that just uh fosters creativity and I that was an incredibly creative year for me.
2: I know Leah and I have both listened to uh, probably all if not most I think so. of uh or probably most if not all of your your teaching songs. Uh Leah, do you have do you have a favorite?
1: Um well <laughs> I like a lot of them, but I, I do think that, um, hmm, I'm going to put Sophie up there <laughs> and, <laughs> and maybe the dominant seventh.
2: Yeah. I was, yeah. For me, the, for me, I, yeah, I love, I love both. dominant seventh would be totally top of my list, partly because it's just so darn useful. Like. Can you just play this once as students are coming to the classroom and they never forget what the notes are of that dominant seventh? Right. As long as you're using movable dough. (laughs) (laughs) As long as you're using movable dough. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shall we listen to a bit? Sure.
0: This is a one chord and a five in first inversion, then a six, a passing one, six, four, then This song might get boring, and you'd probably start ignoring me If I tried naming every single chord But there's one chord that's terrific, and its function is specific And it hangs around in cadences for fun at solfege we can state it, if we just arpeggiate it. Yes, sol re is a dominant seven, which brings us home to one. Of course, the four chord, fa do, can be pleasant to the ear. Then there's five, seven, a five, re fi do. That's a chord we're going to learn about more next year. We're back to one now, and there's that five in first inversion, just repeating what we played when we'd Gun. And this path that we had charted's gonna finish what we started, because sol is a dominant seven, which brings us home to, oh no, that cadence was deceptive. <laughs> it went to minor six instead of one. That sort of trick can be effective making things last longer when we thought that we were done so here we are again and moving toward the finish and I think this time I love that deceptive cadence David <laughs> I I have to give credit uh to Matt Grissett uh, one of my students for that we, I was uh I was still writing the song I I don't know it it, it was written over a Period of time, and I shared my initial thoughts, maybe the first verse or two, with with my students uh, that year. And and uh, Matt uh, said, "You need to put a deceptive cadence in there." And challenge accepted. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice.
0: <clears throat> but that was great, and that the, the to, it was so useful. It is useful in the classroom, if you're teaching in movable dough, to be able to say, and just then people, yeah, it just gets stuck in their heads, which is the thing that you want to have happen. <laughs> totally, totally.
1: But you also acknowledge other concepts in there without without taking away from the dominant seventh, but really staying true to what's happening musically. Yeah, and
0: pedagogically, we talk about spiraling or coming back to the same concepts and seeing them with new eyes. And I, I add into that, the I, I think it's totally fine, in fact, admirable to introduce, to throw out a concept that they haven't learned yet um, so that when they get to it, you can say, hey, remember, remember when we listened to that song? Remember when it did refilado <laughs> Um that that is, now we're going to talk about what that is, that's secondary dominant and we can, um, it, it gives them a hook to go, oh, I, there's, this is a thing I already know. And I hope when we're teaching oral skills that a lot of it can be, instead of here's a theory thing that you have to know, it's here's a thing that you know and love and now I'm gonna put a name to it. I'm gonna give you a way to name it and understand that it's happening. You already love it. You already know what it sounds like. It's just, uh, here's here's a context for it. When uh, when we were talking with um,
2: Megan Long a couple of uh, weeks ago about hexachordal solfege, and mm-hmm. she started talking about uh, Ngani and 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 solfege puns from the Renaissance era. <laughs> of course, you know that that brings to mind uh, Leah's favorite song, uh, "Sophie Lay on My Sofa," which is just.
0: <laughs> can you can you introduce that for us a little bit, David? Oh gosh, well, I had already written one solfege pun song, but that that was just a, a sort of attempt to do, Sound of Music do re mi but you know in a different way is that, silly is that the solfege? silly solfege song the silly solfege i love song, that too <laughs> which um which uh, is is fine although it, it still bothers me that i had to use bad grammar in order to keep the solfege puns going um i, I mean it really really pains me <laughs> but um the uh in the I just I wanted to incorporate I wanted to see if I could incorporate uh, a solfege pun song with with lots of chromatic solfege and um, get yeah more of those relationships in there and then that became a fun challenge just to see how to write the story in a way that it would make musical sense and also I really really wanted to get folly in there. Uh, which, of course, means that it, the Lee has to be followed by a T, so how can I make a story that has folly followed by the word T? <laughs> and the version that I recorded and put on YouTube was just me and a guitar, uh, but the version we recorded for the uh, album was turned out to be kind of a really fun bluesy song. <laughs>
2: Nice. Well, let's have a listen.
0: Sophie, lay on my sofa, eating raw dough and drinking tea. Sophie, don't lay. On my sofa so Rado is Follies, not so bad. But Sophie, don't lay on my sofa, eating dough. I <laughs> love
2: it. I love it. Uh, of course, if you're a law-based minor person, that one is going to be very confusing
3: but, uh, <laughs> for, for us doe
2: based minor people.
0: <laughs> well, I'd also, I mean, I think it sort of modulates there in the middle, and I don't modulate the syllables at all, but mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. I achieved my, my pun goal, and that was the important thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so I don't know if that's one pedagogically, uh, you know, super useful, but...
2: Um, I mean, I think just the experience of, of of listening and saying, "Oh my God, that is actually so." Oh, that's fee, right? And yeah, is totally
0: I, fun and valuable pedagogically. I also think this is a good place to give a shout out to Jacob Rosemeisel, who was one of my voice students at JMU, who came to me in the middle of his senior year and said, "Hey, I, I, I." I re I arranged one of your songs and I want I want you to see what you think of it and it was it was the um <clears throat> the uh non-dominant seventh song mm-hmm. and he had created this elaborate progressive rock kind of um uh arrangement of it and I was I just thought wow this is amazing can you do this with other things and he ended up uh Producing and playing instruments, and and uh, uh, he he was the driving force behind making this uh, album happen out of a bunch of YouTube videos that I, you know, mostly wrote and recorded in the same day. <laughs> and you said your your
2: uh, your backing vocals; those are your uh, wife and daughters. Is that right?
0: depending on the track um sometimes it's my wife and and daughters uh there was one there are there were a couple songs where i got uh i just asked for student volunteers uh and community student and community volunteers i think i just had a bunch of people the for on the album i got a bunch of people together and we just recorded all of the backing vocals together including At the end of uh, at the end of the second inversions song, uh, Manny Davis did this great, completely ad libbed riff uh, of "Amen" at the end of the second inversions song, and it's fantastic. It was. um, I'm just so uh, so grateful for all those um, amazing people who sort of stepped in and and helped. Oh my gosh and sorry if I'm if I'm talking about amazing people who stepped in and helped um uh, my friend and colleague Sam Suggs came in and played bass on a bunch of tracks um my friend and colleague Dave Pope came in and recorded a sax solo he he came into the recording studio he did one take we listened to it and he said yep that's good <laughs> 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 and uh uh I'm sure I'm forgetting someone. Uh Who else came in? Oh, Casey Cangelosi, my uh, uh friend, colleague and neighbor um came in uh, uh, he he wrote a whole sort of uh aleatoric drum thing, percussion thing for the first piece. Nice, nice.
2: I was thinking, you know, uh, one of the ones that I love is it, it, sometimes when we're trying to convey an idea to students, uh, like, for instance, if you're having trouble finding a note, don't just blindly leap for it, but use your uh, your reference pitches of, of one and five or do and so in the scale. <clears throat> you know, that's a, that's a big concept to convey to them, and it's hard to make it fun. Be, uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> I was just thinking. I love your third away song for that idea because it does. It says so clearly and in such a fun way that any note you need is never more than a third away from one or five from do or so, and you know. And it it makes yeah it makes it joyous to uh to think about it that way. Shall we listen to a little?
0: Sure. When you're trying hard to sight read and see a leap to a file, me or A, Well, as long as you can always find so and do, you're never more than a third away. You can try and sing big intervals that you see, and if you're good at it, well, that's okay. But as long as you can always find so and As long as you've got so and so, you'll go far So keep working on your intervals, big and small And try to practice them every day But as long as you can always find so and so, You're never more than a third away Yeah, as long as you can always find so and so, Yeah, you're never
3: more than a third away
2: the sense of your vocal range through these songs from the very low <laughs> to the very high, David. I did I did sing that high C because just because I could. Uh, <laughs> what's what's the low note like on, on Sophie? Is that a was that a low F? What was that?
0: Uh I don't know. the 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 dominant seven it... song has a low F. Uh-huh. Um I don't really think about it. You know, either I can sing it or I can't. I I uh I mean, I can probably, well, if I cheat, I can get close to four octaves now. Um, but that that means having to do, you know, uh, I can't get any lower than that today. <laughs> right. Um, but that's mm. a trick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's a whole other episode. Uh,
0: right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but. <laughs> I, it is funny i was afraid uh, the, the when i first started sharing these songs uh my biggest fear uh and something that almost held me back from sharing them was you know i make my living singing bach and i thought what if what if someone hears these and thinks oh that's not the voice i want um <laughs> But I decided, and I hope I was right, that you know someone who hears that I have the flexibility to sing all these different styles will go, oh, and and he sings Bach well. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you know I, I have to say I, um,
2: as as we've gotten to know each other, I just continue to be blown away by the variety of things that that you do and do well. It's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I fear sometimes that i do too many things and don't do any of them well but um i guess that's the life of a musician is 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 having to explore all opportunities
2: <laughs> yeah there's so much fun wordplay in your songs have have you always
0: been one for puns and wordplay and that sort of thing boy um I haven't thought of that. I I mean, I do enjoy it. Have I always enjoyed it? I think I've always enjoyed it, but I don't know that. I think it was especially writing educational songs that I felt both uh, the desire and the ability to, or uh, cultivated the ability to uh, engage in wordplay. But I, thinking about the best educational songs that I Knew and grew up with, the best ones were really compelling, both musically and lyrically, in in ways that made me want to hear them again, or that would make them stick in my head. And I think, especially the Tom Lehrer esque wordplay, for me was was something that just went hand in hand with good educational songs.
3: Yeah.
1: And that's so important that holding true to, to the uh, musical side of things, because there are a lot of creative lyrics out there that are not musical or are just spoken and auto-tuned. And they are very hard on the ears, even though the information in the lyrics is good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It looks like I'm going to be co-presenting for a, a, a conference in the fall that is for about music in education but a challenge in educational music is sometimes that it's written by educators or scientists who maybe didn't think about as much about the musical side of things um, and there is a there is even a sense in in some aspects of that community that that it doesn't matter that it's it's all about the content and not about the musical side of things and I think the musical side of things really does matter. Mm -hmm. And um, you can, I just would hate to force my students to listen to music that wasn't very good uh, just to get a point across. Um, Now, uh, that sounds like I have a highfalutin uh, opinion of my own music. (laughs) And I, I don't love all my own songs, but, um, but I do try really hard to make them good.
2: One of the ones I find most musically impressive, frankly, is the uh, Intervals and Inversion song uh. that you were able to make <laughs> all of these inverted intervals work melodically, which can't have been an easy thing to do.
0: You know the irony is that one it was that one wrote itself in about fifteen minutes. It just you're kidding. It wasn't a puzzle to be solved. I was actually reading an old theory textbook from from like 1920, and looking at its explanations of of chords and inversions, and I I just sort of like that that opening line. I was just thinking ta ta da, da. da, da. Da, 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 da. Oh, you know, and that, that just makes such a natural thing, and the rest just flowed right out of it in 15 minutes. <laughs> we should listen. A minor third is a major sixth in inversion. A third is a minor sixth in inversion A perfect fourth is a perfect fifth in inversion oh, A minor second's a major seventh A major second's a minor seventh And oh, a perfect unison To not in this game
2: I think one of the things I love about that is that totally takes me back to like 90s uh <laughs> cheesy pop, right? There's something there's something about that, that that just speaks to the music I loved in my childhood, the the music theater of that time period and yeah.
0: Uh. I um I I was listening to that and and just remembering oh yeah the like the introduction is all showing different inversions mm-hmm. uh in both hands and um I guess it's not in the left hand but in the in the right hand it's doing uh inversions deliberately and um I've I've been asked about the tritone bit because of course technically a tritone is three whole steps And so only one of those is a technical tritone. This is, this is though why I said what we call a tritone, because (laughs) in oral skills class, when it's out of context, that interval is a tritone.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, At least in my class. Yeah. I understand how someone could quibble with that, but I deliberately called it, said what we call a tritone for a reason. (laughs) Yeah. If you want to listen to, if, uh, you may not have heard my science song, Erosion, but you'll you'll like that one, too. It's got the same same era vibe. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I have to say, the acoustic bass on that, I love. When that just comes in, it's so Thank good. Thank you, Sam. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. <laughs> uh, David, what's your favorite song? Oh, wow. What is my favorite song? I... You know, I've been asked this, and I and I, but I, I, I like second inversions uh, a lot. I like it because it's got a great groove. Um, I feel like it's extremely pedagogically useful, even though some people disagree with me. <laughs> um, and uh, I feel like it just works. <laughs> The chords I adore, I write them down with a six and a four. These chords we encounter in four different ways, you can tell from the context you hear the chords that are near And the movement you hear in the bass The first will call pedal As the bass stays the same But when bass notes move stepwise Often passing's the name When the bass goes leaping, are Arpeggiate, it's what we'll say When we come to the end of a section, my friend, a credential 6-4 can help carry the
2: And that was the famous amen you were talking about earlier, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, that's great. I I do, I I do enjoy this. You know, the criticism that I've gotten for this is that it's not the way, some people want to teach second inversion chords, or or they may even say they they don't even believe in second inversion chords. The and it's very much the way it was taught in the book that I was using uh, at the time. And of course, people have different names for these things. Uh, I've even learned new terminology that I didn't know before through responses to some of these songs. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Dominant Seven song, w- w- the Deceptive Cadence, um, uh, I got a note from someone in England saying, is that what we call an interrupted cadence? I thought, oh, is apparently that... it is. Do... Yeah. Oh, see, and now this is going to take me
2: right back to my Shankarian, because an interrupted cadence is, um, a, a, an interruption in Shankarian terminology is effectively a half cadence, right? Ah. It's because the phrase is interrupted before it's able to to complete its its normative
0: motion of 3-2-1 of or 5-4-3-2-1. And, and I, you know, some people will... Uh, insist on calling it deceptive motion Mm
2: -hmm. or deceptive resolution. Yep. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. The funny thing is, as I, when I'm teaching, at least I I just sort of say there's, there's lots of names for things (laughs) and there are many lenses to view it through. Um, and, and not one of them is correct. And I think probably
2: at the heart of it, it matters less what we call it and more that we know what it is as a thing.
0: Right. Right. Or that you recognize, yeah, yeah. Ideally, we would recognize these things happening musically and just sort of know why they work. And not in a limited fashion, but in a, in a whol- holistic fashion to go, oh, this, this has a lot of aspects to it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So the other one that I find just delightful is the chord spelling song. Because <laughs> like... <laughs> And, can, I mean, can you tell us about that? Because this one is so clearly to me, like, this is a pedagogical song. This is a song that I would totally, like, just pull out and use within my classroom. In fact, I'm thinking about just transcribing
0: it so that I can do this in singing with, with my students. It has been transcribed. Uh, Mark Boyle uh-huh. has transcribed it. And, um, you know, I will... Talk to him, but I think maybe we can put up a transcription so that people can use it. He uses it as a warm-up with his choirs. Um, yeah, can you can you tell us a bit about the song? Yeah, uh, I was. Uh, I think it was my second year of teaching oral skills, and I was heading into school. At that point, I had an hour commute, um, and uh, I was heading into school. And the topic of the day was going to be spelling all the different chords. And as I was driving into school, I thought, I cannot stand the thought of standing in front of a blackboard and spelling out one chord after another, each diatonic chord and singing them. There's got to be a more interesting way to do this. And I basically wrote the song on my commute. And, uh, by the time I got to school, I had, I had the general framework of it written. And, uh, I, I taught it to each of my classes that day, and then we sang it at the end of class and recorded it and put it on YouTube. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. that was, uh, yeah, that was composed and recorded within a couple hours.
2: And when we when we hear that on on the uh, um, Well Trained Ear album, are, are
0: those your students we're hearing singing? Those are my students. Although that and. Uh, Honestly, I think that the the recording on YouTube that was recorded within a few hours is probably better than the one on the album. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The album was recorded very much on a budget and that particular song suffered because I uh, recorded it without people singing along. I played the piano part and and then I played it way too fast. And so it's a little Mm -hmm. bit too fast on the album. For my taste. Well,
2: shall we listen? Sure. Shall we listen to the YouTube version? Yeah, then? let's listen to the YouTube version.
0: <laughs> I mean what's cool about the YouTube version anyway is just that, that uh you know, students really I, I taught it to them. That was the end of class. <laughs>
3: Fart the salty baby, so Joe.
0: has more of that, um, that has more of that, uh, cycling, uh, uh, spiraling, uh, idea of, but uh, introducing concepts ahead of time. Because at that time, you just need to know, here's what I have to sing here. But then later I'm, I could say, well, remember when we sang Do mi that that's, that's a five, seven, a four. And then when you, when they hear that sound, they can connect it with the place in the song where they've heard it. And I mean for me that seemed like a I just thought why hasn't anyone done this before Um and a little bit the answer is that people had done it before and I just didn't know <laughs> Um and so it's been really cool like to meet Joseph Downing um who has written a bunch of music theory songs but they're they're not on YouTube uh, I probably should he's sent me uh the sheet music for his songs so I should probably record some of them and put them on youtube <laughs> but hearing things in context that's the other tricky thing about oral skills is that uh you you need you can't understand any of these things out of context it's it's all about hearing them in context and then how do you get someone to recognize it in context um so that's where uh, a place where I think that the songs are useful because it's just naming things as they happen. Yeah. And and to a degree naming things uh I was surprised to share my international chord song with some people and to point out things that were being explicitly named in the in the song and to discover that some of my colleagues didn't didn't even recognize what was happening um, didn't recognize that they those things were being named as they happened uh or or didn't recognize all the subtleties I don't know you know when I <laughs> when I do uh sometimes I like uh, sometimes I want to hear some german Some. you know um uh sometimes I like to hear some french and then I on the french you know, I. French mm-hmm. is the note that distinguishes it from German. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's too. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but understanding those chords and how they work, it's just helpful to hear them in context.
1: And surely that will help students make
2: the connection to their rep. And also to hear them, I think, in, in more popular styles, whereas so often we're teaching these concepts with reference to Western classical
0: music, which, frankly, maybe our students aren't listening to that much. You know, I, I forgot until just now that, um, you know, I, I showed you my second inversion song, but that the predecessor to that <laughs> was the, uh, the first year I taught, I, I wrote a chorale. I wrote a chorale that did all four of the second inversions that we were supposed to, that I was supposed to teach. And, um, and I gave it to them as a dictation and I wrote little words, you know, about second inversions or chords I adore. (laughs) I write them down with a six and a four, (laughs) (laughs) but I didn't, yeah, the chorale wasn't quite as catchy as the, uh, gospel-y song. The bluesy gospel. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, well, David, this has been really fun where if people want to hear, more of your songs, uh, where can they find them? Where can they find you? They are
0: scattered all over YouTube. Um, And uh, of course I have the album on Bandcamp, The Well-Trained Ear. If you Google The Well-Trained Ear, you will find it. And uh, uh, of course I would be deliriously happy if anyone wanted to buy the album on Bandcamp, but you can also listen to it for free. (laughs) Awesome.
2: So yeah, hopefully, hopefully, our listeners will will support the creation of these wonderful uh, music theory teaching songs. And yeah, uh, I certainly I have the album in my iTunes, and uh, yeah, hope. <laughs> others will as well it's always a little funny when like i'll have it on shuffle at a party and then suddenly you know up pops (laughs) david newman
0: singing a silly soulfish song that could be that could be (laughs) particularly shocking if it turned out to be the uh the locrian song (laughs) (laughs) and uh uh, in what on any normal album would be uh shockingly inappropriate I love that it goes straight from a polymeter heavy metal song to a swinging jazz tune
1: (laughs) and let's not forget about TikTok um one of my favorite little things is David Newman singing his office number for his students to remember now now I have it memorized as well (laughs) ah that's fantastic
0: yeah, no, it's great, and and uh, you know I did say I did I did write it for my students, although actually I wrote it for me, because I I got moved into a new office and then we and then COVID hit and then I wasn't in that office and I knew where to find it, but I I couldn't remember my own office number, so I thought I need to share this, and then of course when I realized I was in office two one three, right on me and then I. So that is not on the album. I guess I could add add it to the album. The, um, uh, but I, I yeah, I put it on TikTok. I have a couple. I have a couple things on TikTok that are not on the album. So yeah, follow me on TikTok, and if 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 people start following me on TikTok, maybe I'll start making more content for it. <laughs>
2: Well, I wonder, should we close out by hearing the Locrian tune? What an unsettling way
0: to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm, that might be something people have to seek out for themselves. <laughs>
2: I, that's fair. That's fair.
0: <laughs> but, um...
2: Uh, and, you know, our listeners may not know or may not realize that, of course, uh, you you wrote the theme song for Notes, uh, Notes from the
0: Staff, so that's... You know, I wanted to David's talk about that. that we do, I, do we yeah. have time to talk about that uh, as, sure. as we close up? I mean, obviously, I uh, started with a surprise, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, the, in the in the form of the surprise symphony, and and I figured that everyone, upon hearing, you know, dun 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 dun, is they know what to expect, and then I don't mm-hmm. give them what they expect, and mm-hmm. then, you know, in you know the way I think about writing these. I am really inspired also by by Bach, and um, when I thought about writing this, I, you, I had already seen the, the logo with a treble clef and notes on the staff, so I decided that I was going to make the melody do all of the notes on the staff, on the treble clef staff, so that is the opening line is, these are the notes mm-hmm. from the staff, da-da, and Where so I did every single did note the, that is yeah. on the staff. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, I, I think sometimes, maybe it doesn't add anything, but I think sometimes, I think what we learn as creative people is that uh, a blank page is scary, and so it's great to give yourself limitations like that, and out of that springs creativity.
1: Notes from the staff is produced by Utheory.com.
2: Utheory is the most advanced online learning platform for music theory.
1: With video lessons, individualized practice, and proficiency testing, Utheory has helped more than 100,000 students around the world master the fundamentals of music theory, rhythm, and ear training.
2: Create your own free teacher account at utheory.com slash teach.